BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Now, qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and, of course, mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean and claim your eligibility for free, your brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Hey, as spring unfolds, the warmer breezes, guess what? It is time to embrace the comfort of your own backyard, and I have found a game changer for your home oasis. It's the Michael Phelps Swim Spa by Master Spas. Now, this is the ultimate two-for-one deal. You get a luxurious hot tub that meets an elite exercise pool that you'll love. This is not just relaxation. It is a first-class experience in the privacy of your own space. Just go to masterspas.com, enter the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner for up to $1,000 off your Master Spa. Exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand that I trust. That's masterspas.com. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Hey, can't make it to your mom's on Mother's Day? Well, you can still deliver a smile with 1-800-Flowers.com right now. 24 multicolored roses, 24 bucks, a dollar a rose. Just go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon, and put in my last name, Hannity. All right, glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. We've got a busy day today, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza and uh, so many issues on the plate today, let me just tell you things we're getting to. Healthcare is alive. Looks like Donald Trump made some phone calls and has been able to switch. We expect a vote is going to be coming up sometime tomorrow to finally get to the beginning of repealing and replacing Obamacare. Look, I have spent a lot of time on the telephone with the Freedom Caucus, and I've, I've spent so much time since the Friday that this bill was vote was canceled talking to them. And by the way, to the credit of people like Jim Jordan, who'll join us later from the Freedom Caucus, and Mark Meadows and a few others, I mean, were it not for them, I'm so disappointed the leadership didn't have a bill ready, that they made this 50,000 times harder than it needed to be that they didn't build consensus among the varying groups, moderates, Tuesday, study group, Freedom Caucus group, that it it just is unbelievable to me. Now, with that said, from that Friday into Saturday morning, I had so many discussions with these guys, and I just like, you, you can't let this die. You guys made this promise. 
And without giving, you know, this isn't about me or I just will just say that to the extent that I said, no, let's get back to the drawing board. You can't let this die. This is your main promise. And so a number of goals, I, I remember specifically a conversation that Saturday after they couldn't get the boat on Friday. And the, remember, the Freedom Caucus was getting blamed. The president had tweeted out some other things that happened. And it never was the Freedom Caucus's fault. You, you know, you got to let people read the bill. It's the leadership's job to build the consensus and not allow what ensued thereafter, which, you know, which is they released the bill. Nobody saw it. And then a public fight on cable television and, and talk radio among conservatives and more moderate Republicans. It was horrible. And it's no way to do business. And they were ill prepared to lead. I've said all of this in the past. So but what did happen? I said, all right, well, what are what are the main goals here? What do you need to get done? What do, what do we need to do to end this monstrosity, especially now knowing that we've got 100 Republicans? It's about 100, maybe a little more. That had no intention. It's very obvious of repealing and replacing Obamacare, which and I know everybody talked about the 2015 bill, which would have been a fine start. Well, that repeals that bill never fully repealed Obamacare either. And then how do you navigate this when you only have 52 votes in the Senate? You've got these parliamentary hurdles and procedures in the Senate. By the way, you don't care and you shouldn't care. Reconciliation, bird rule, cloture votes, all of this. How do you how do you and then and then the House bill and then the Senate bill have to be reconciled in Congress and then it's voted on again and then sent to the president? So there's no point if the House bill doesn't sync up with the Senate bill and what they're able to do from a parliamentary sense, and then you bring it to conference, then the bill dies in conference. And so there's a lot of moving parts. Nobody ever said it was easy. What my criticism is, is they had eight years. Eight years. And, all right, let's say they never thought Donald Trump was going to win. Some people didn't. Okay, Donald Trump won on November 8th. Well, now it's, what's today's date? May the 2nd or May 3rd? May 3rd? How do I know what day? I have no idea. I don't even know what year it is. What are you talking about? Day. Um, and so there's some challenges here. But to the credit of all those conservatives that I like in the Freedom Caucus, they dug in. They worked their 80, 90, 100 hours a week. I would argue, knowing what I know, they did all the heavy lifting. And this is my insider knowledge of this. And they had to consider the moderates. They had to consider the Tuesday group. They had to consider the study group. They had to consider the Saturday night, let's go out and get drunk and go to a strip club Republican group. I guess that I'm kidding. I'm joking. That's a joke. But all these varying factions. And that's why it should have been done in the beginning. So and then they have to consider. And I know many discussions and. A lot of credit goes to Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Mike Lee and others. And I know Rand Paul had a hand in a lot of this, too. Um, these guys actually were working hand in hand with the Freedom Caucus to, you know, say, OK, these are what the rules that apply. It drove me nuts. Remember when they were talking about a three step process until finally somebody asked the Senate parliamentarian, do we really need three steps? And the Senate parliamentarian said, well, nobody asked me, but no, you don't. That drove me nuts because that was the whole 
you know, everything that was being said by the House leadership was predicated on that. Now, it wasn't true. So they've come up with a deal, and it goes back to the Saturday conversation that I had with Congressman Mark Meadows, and I'm not revealing anything that he wouldn't want me to reveal. But I said, okay, knowing the political obstacles you have in the Senate, knowing that you have these people in the House, moderates that are obnoxiously liberal, how do you get a bill that accomplishes what goals? And Meadows just Meadows has knowledge of this bill that is almost encyclopedic. He knows it inside and out. And he said, well, that's simple. And he goes, we got to lower premium costs because the American people got suckered into on average, a $5,400 increase under Obama. That didn't include 2017 premium increases. We need more competent. We need the ability to create health care savings accounts and pave the way for those, pave the way for those health care cooperatives like our buddy in Wichita, Kansas, Dr. Josh Umber and Atlas MD. And we also have to offer better options, which for a lower cost, you're going to get better care, more options, lower premiums. And I said, okay. And he said, the next most, and he said, also, we want to repeal and replace Obamacare because that was our promise. And then to be very blunt, when the realization came in that there's this hundred or so Republicans that are never going to repeal and replace Obamacare, I'm, I'm just telling, don't shoot the messenger. You know, I'm giving you insider information here. So then they, how does he next, what is the next step to achieve the goals? And the answer turned out to be a waiver that the states can use so that they can disconnect from the whole system. Which, by the way, I kind of like because I'm a believer in sending everything back to the states anyway. I believe it was a combination of Meadows, the head of the Tuesday group and the study group, negotiating amongst themselves in a way that they knew that the moderates would be happy because then the states, you know, then it's their decision. They're, they're off the hook politically. They think they're on the hook politically. And so that's what we've come up with. To, that's what they've come up with. And the good news is that it's going to save a trillion dollars, a trillion, that the president will then apply to his economic plan, which is imperative. Now, I see Representative Upton and Billy Long said they would support the new bill with the addition of an amendment given the effort new momentum. I think it's likely to pass, said Upton, who's a a Republican from Michigan. He added he's not on the whip team, but he can definitely saw that there were enough votes and can't definitely definitively say. Um, But the new amendment would provide eight billion over five years to help people with pre-existing conditions. Now, by the way, every Republican plan, remember they had nine plans? Remember way back in the day? This is what drove me crazy. They had nine plans, but they had never consolidated it into one consensus plan. So anyway, Ryan now, Paul Ryan has said that, yeah, I don't think he's a friend of mine right now. Paul Ryan's bad at me. But I don't care because this was poorly managed. We can't have this anymore. And... uh Our friend Betsy McCoy, who we all know because we've talked about it, I mean, she has a copy next to her on her nightstand of the Obamacare bill and knows it inside and out more than anybody that I know. And she's saying today she details how this current bill is better than what they were going to vote on some weeks ago and does deal with pre-existing conditions. And she talked about 
some naked cowardness, her words, not mine, uh, among certain congressmen who will let the anti-Trump media dictate how they vote on the bill. And she was responsible almost single-handedly for the analysis that torpedoed Hillary Care in 94. And she's been the the go-to person if you really want to know what's inside the 2,000-plus pages of Obamacare. And as she points out, that you know, 96% of Americans who buy their own insurance stand to benefit from the bill and will likely drive down the premiums by double digits. Now, she was right about everything on Obamacare. She said the remaining 4% with pre-existing conditions will be protected by a federal fund to subsidize, which is this what Upton is, is saying. And she said some Republicans are running scared, although the bill solves two problems, lowering premiums, protecting people with pre-existing conditions, and fence sitters are worried about something else, getting reelected. In other words, they don't want to take the risk of doing what it is that they promised that they would do. And she points out how the House bill sets up a more fair way, a $130 billion pot of federal money to pay for people with pre-existing conditions. Now, you know... That's a problem, especially in the short term, the immediate term. Because if you have a pre-existing condition and now you go into an open marketplace and you're not part of a co-op and you're not part of a group of people that are buying insurance as a group and you want to get a policy and you've had four heart attacks, good luck. Or if you've had cancer in the past, good luck. Or whatever the pre-existing condition that happened, you know, maybe you have Bad diabetes. So, you know, look, I don't know all the conditions, um, but there are people that have significant issues. So anyway, it is it. I think this gets done tomorrow. I'm going out on a limb here because we still do have the same House leadership. If they don't learn anything from this. Now, there are a lot of people pissed off at my commentary about the Republican leadership last night. And I have heard from a lot of people. And in a pretty vicious tone about me taking these people on. And the only thing I'm going to say to them is what I say to you, is I don't really care what they think. Because my job is to be honest. My job is to hold them accountable. And I am harder now, well, except for snowflakes, on the Republicans because they asked for this moment to lead. And they've been ill-prepared to lead. And they've forgotten that they work for you. And that this is a this is such a burden now, Obamacare, and for the average American, they've got to fix it. And they were hired to do the job. Now do the job, then fund the fence, and then defund Planned Parenthood. Do the things you said you were going to do. And I don't think it's that hard. And the only reason I gave President Trump a little more slack is that he's doing that. As I went through last week, his hundred days, all the promises he's kept. So he wants to buy himself another four months, but then he says he's willing to shut the government down and that we actually need one. I'm, I'll give him the four months, but I'm not giving Congress the four months because they haven't done anything. Hey, the older you get, the busier life becomes. Now, what used to be so simple, a trip to mom for Mother's Day, well, it's not as easy anymore. And while there's no substitute for watching mom light up when she sees you, well, our friends at 1-800-Flowers.com, well, you can still show all the moms in your life you care. And right now, 1-800-Flowers is giving you an exclusive 24 for 24 offer. That's 24 multicolored roses, just 24 bucks. That's a dollar a rose. Pick your delivery date. Let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. Now, premium 
premium roses from 1-800-Flowers. They're always picked at their peak, shipped overnight to ensure maximum freshness and, of course, mom's amazement. 24 multicolored roses, 24 bucks, an amazing offer. It expires Friday. Don't miss this opportunity to show all the moms in your life how much you miss them and love them. Now just go to 1-800-Flowers.com, get 24 stunning multicolored roses, 24 bucks, a dollar a rose. Click on the radio icon and put in my last name, Hannity. 1-800-Flowers.com, radio icon, Hannity, offer ends Friday. All that makes sense to you? Oh, by the way, and, uh, we got to get to Mahmoud Abbas showing up at the White House today. And uh, what did the president, because I was in three meetings today, and I asked you to monitor this. What did the president say about the monies, if anything, publicly that they pay terrorists and their families that kill Israelis? Did that come up publicly today? There hasn't been anything said Because I, I was told absolutely positively that that was going to come up, but I guess the president did it privately. That there was no doubt that the president was fully aware of the issue and ticked off about it. All right. So they just that was a, oh, we had a nice meeting. Uh, any questions? <laughs> That's what they always do. So I mean, what? I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of news today with what's going on with Comey, and that meeting has no, been— No, I'm getting uh, to that. That was pushed back. But this has been very under wraps, but I have a feeling we'll hear more about that later today. You mean about Mahmoud Abbas yeah. and, and President Trump? No, I mean, all the cable networks have been running Comey all day. And by the way, the media, as usual, is not doing their job and not giving you the pertinent information about all this. I will do that at the bottom of this hour. Oh, I do have some really good news. Isn't it great the Washington Free Beacon points out— that all that Obama cash, the $150 billion taxpayer dollars they gave, oh, well, the Iranians now announced that their defense budget had increased 145% under President Rahane, and the military is moving forward with a massive restructuring effort aimed at making it a forward-moving force, according to regional reports. And, of course, Iranian leaders have stated since the Iranian deal was enacted that they're using the massive amounts of cash given to them by Barack Hussein Obama uh, to purchase all new military equipment and other armaments. Oh, and they're going to partner with Vladimir, and they're going to build missile defense. Oh, so we can't even take out their nuclear sites easily. Uh, now, members of Congress and U.S. officials working on the Iran portfolio suspect. Uh, that at least a portion of the $1.7 million in cash payment to Iran has been used to fund and support terrorists in the Middle East. Oh, people like Hannity and Donald Trump and so many others, old conservatives, were exactly right. Yeah, just like Bill Clinton. I just made a deal with North Koreans and $4 billion, and they're not going to build a nuclear weapon. No, they build a nuclear weapon. Now we're just worried if they're going to have the ICBM missile technology to hit the continental United States because the appeasement always doesn't work, does it? Yeah, always. It's a failure. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. 
Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. But I sat there that morning, and I could not see a door labeled no action here. I could see two doors, and they were both actions. One was labeled speak, the other was labeled conceal. Because here's how I thought about it. I'm not trying to talk you into this, but I want you to know my thinking. Having repeatedly told this Congress, we are done, and there's nothing there. There's no case there. There's no case there. To restart in a hugely significant way, potentially finding the emails that would reflect on her intent from the beginning and not speak about it would require an act of concealment, in my view. And so I stared at speak and conceal. Speak would be really bad. There's an election in 11 days. Lordy, that would be really bad. Concealing, in my view, would be catastrophic, not just to the FBI, but well beyond. And honestly, as between really bad and catastrophic, I said to my team, we've got to walk into the world of really bad. I've got to tell Congress that we're restarting this, not in some frivolous way, in a hugely significant way. And the team also told me, we cannot finish this work before the election. And then they worked night after night after night, and they found thousands of new emails. They found classified information on Anthony Weiner. Somehow, her emails are being forwarded to Anthony Weiner, including classified information by her assistant, Huma Abedin. And so they found thousands of new emails and then called me the Saturday night before the election and said, thanks to the wizardry of our technology, we've only had to personally read 6,000. We think we can finish tomorrow morning, Sunday. And so I met with them. And they said, we found a lot of new stuff. We did not find anything that changes our view of her intent. So we're in the same place we were in July. It hasn't changed our view. And I asked them lots of questions. And I said, okay, if that's where you are, then I also have to tell Congress that we're done. Look, this was terrible. It makes me mildly nauseous to think that we might have had some impact on the election. But honestly, it wouldn't change the decision. Everybody who disagrees with me has to come back to October 28th with me and stare at this and tell me what you would do. Would you speak or would you conceal? And I could be wrong, but we honestly made a decision between those two choices that even in hindsight, and this has been one of the world's most painful experiences, I would make the same decision. I would not conceal that on October 28th from the Congress. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Very passionate at that moment. James Comey uh, out there speaking, saying, yeah, classified Clinton emails were forwarded to Anthony Weiner. What in God's name is going on here? Now, it even gets worse than that. Um, And, you know, he goes on to reveal this whole thing that Hillary Clinton's emails contain classified information. And that they were forwarded to Anthony Weiner. Well, as far as I know, at that point in Anthony Weiner's illustrious career, that he was not, didn't have security clearance to receive them. And they found thousands of them. Now, that is also a crime. And we've gone over that many times before. Is it just classified? Is it special access program? Anyway, so Comey's decision, frankly, to let Hillary off the hook, in spite of what he's saying here, gets a hell of a lot harder to understand. And I think Hillary, frankly, should have been indicted a long time ago. Especially with the revelate, what he's revealing is that Hillary's emails containing classified information 
forwarded to former Congressman Anthony Weiner as he testified today defending his handling of this politically sensitive probe surrounding last year's presidential election. But under questioning from a senior Democrat, Dianne Feinstein, Comey is revealing these details that our emails were forwarded to Anthony Weiner and then said, and, and his then spouse, Uma Abedin, a.k.a. Mrs. Weiner, appear to have had a regular practice of forwarding emails to him for him to print out, meaning he sees them for her so she could deliver them to the Secretary of State. I guess that makes Anthony Mrs. Weiner's secretary. That's what it sounds like, or assistant. Is secretary still a politically correct term? I don't think we need to worry about political correctness with Anthony Weiner. Yeah, that's my humble true. opinion. That's my <laughs> good point. So anyway, the two were investigated from the mishandling of classified. That's the mishandling of classified information by its very definition. And the FBI ultimately drops the matter without seeking charges because they claim, well, we couldn't show either of them intended to violate the law. Oh, my gosh. Please. That is so beyond bizarre. This is the, this is the guy that, didn't it James Comey that put poor Martha Stewart in jail for lying about nothing? And Martha Stewart, Carlos Danger out there handling national security secrets? Ugh, I don't get it. He's refusing, you know, this back and forth. Do you agree? This is with Lindsey Graham. Do you agree with me that Anthony Weiner of 2016 should not have access to classified information? Uh, yes, that's a fair statement. Would you agree with me that if that's not illegal, we've got really bad laws? Well, if he had... Well, he got it somehow. It would be illegal if he didn't have appropriate clearance. Well, do you agree with me he didn't have appropriate clearance? He did. If he did have appropriate clearance, that would even be worse. I don't believe at the time we found that on his laptop that he had any kind of clearance. Yeah, I agree. So for him to get it should be a crime. Somebody should be prosecuted for letting Anthony Weiner have access to classified information. Does that make general sense? It could be a crime. It would depend upon what the people... Well, do you agree with me? It should be. <laughs> that anybody that lets Anthony Weiner had classified information probably should be prosecuted. There's no Anthony Weiner statute, but it is. There's already yeah. a statute. <laughs> well, maybe we need one. There's okay. already a statute. All right, good. There's I already just, a statute. I just wonder how you can get classified information and not be a crime by somebody. Good. I, I'm, I'm listening to this. He won't even acknowledge this here. Refusing to acknowledge what Anthony Weiner did as a crime. You know, so, you know, he's digging in. I mean, Lindsey Graham is digging in, contending that Wiener should be charged with a crime for getting access to classified information. Now, I don't know if that's a crime. We don't have an Anthony Wiener statute. Well, maybe we need one. I mean, I guess very funny, but the sad part is everybody knows the mishandling of class. Oh, look, a treaty is on Sunshine's lap. Um, of classified information. That is in its, of itself a crime. What's so hard to figure out here? You know, and, and it, it drives me insane. You know, and the Comey's insisting that it made him mildly nauseous to think his decision might have impacted the outcome of the election, but insisted he would not change his mind if asked again. It was a hard choice. I still believe in retrospect the right choice, as painful as this has been. And he said he weighed the pros and cons of both announcing, not announcing the move, acknowledging that announcing could significantly impact the election. 
and which he described as <clears throat> a really bad outcome, but not the worst decision. Concealing, in my view, would be catastrophic. Yeah, that would have been catastrophic. Public does have a right to know. You know what the real question here is? Why hasn't he indicted Hillary? There's a mountain of evidence to indict her. I was on my way to winning. Well, anyway, who was it that said this? Uh, And his comments come after Hillary Clinton's. I was on my way to winning until a combination of James Comey's letter October the 28th and Russian WikiLeaks raised doubts. No, Hillary. And by the way, Trump addressed that today, which I thought was funny. Took to, well, actually, last night took to Twitter to remind Hillary that she should be thanking Comey for not indicting her after she destroyed subpoenaed evidence in the email server gate or the money that she took and gave up 20 percent of America's uranium to Russia. Everyone in the media is so upset about Russia. Unbelievable. The tweets uh, came after Clinton blasted Russia's intervention. They're advancing a narrative with no evidence. Now, he had a lot to say about Hillary's investigation. Pretty tight lift on the deluge of national security leaks against the Trump administration again. Why does he pick and choose the way he does, meaning Comey? It seems to me that Comey has been politicized in a lot of ways. Not indicting Hillary. Why is he so chatty about one topic and not chatty at all about another? This has gone on since, you know, eight, nine months now. Without getting into any particular article, is there any investigation of any of the leaks of classified information into Mr. Trump or associates? We know what happened to Michael Flynn is a crime. Now, there was another story. Do you have that story, Linda, that I had sent you earlier today? I lost it. Okay, I have a million. I have a million packs in front of me. Oh, okay. In the back of the pack, here it is. ABC. I sent this to Linda this morning. Government officials requested to know the identities of more than nineteen hundred Americans. Now, at one point, our name was mentioned. My name was mentioned, not Linda's. It should have been Linda, not me. That I might have been surveilled and unmasked. By the Obama Why it administration. Be me? Is it because you deserve it? They can't handle my f bombs. Honestly, I can't. I would love to see that in print. Redact, 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 redact. You know, every word would be redacted, not for security reasons, for cussing reasons, because you can't even keep. All you would have is hello. You didn't and even keep your promise to Jesus during Lent. You didn't. Well, last baby five Jesus minutes. forgave me, so there you go. Anyway, the identities, and by the way, Linda is a very Catholic person, so she's used... Cel- I am not a Catholic person. I am a Christian person. Okay. Do you go to Catholic Mass? No, I go to Christian Mass. I go to non-denominational Christian Mass that's held in a German Christian Catholic mass, Church. A German Catholic Church. So you go to a Catholic Church, point. In point but well it's taken. not a Catholic Church. It's a Catholic building where they have a Christian non-denominational Is it a service. German Catholic Church? The facility. The facility. So they rent the facility to have the non-denominational. Catholics, they, they make a lot of money. Oh, my gosh. All right. This is way too. Well, this is so much detail. Nobody wants to know. All right. So the identities of U.S. citizens, legal permanent residents, found 3,914 intelligence reports that the NSA distributed last year, said the report released Tuesday. Anyway, so we're talking about 1,934 identities that were unmasked. Wow. And anyway... But last year, the government requested this of people. 
and and they're unmasking is because they wanted to understand the intelligence being conveyed. I don't believe that for a minute. I mean, Susan Rice should be. There should be a grand jury convened over her. You know, it was interesting that during the committee hearing today that the FBI director provided a very telling and revealing moment when it came to why they decided to hold a press conference last summer. Uh, What I struggled with in the spring was, well, how did we credibly complete an investigation of Hillary's emails if we don't, if we conclude there's no case there and the normal way to do it would have been the Department of Justice announce it. And he said, and then he pointed out that the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, meeting with Bill uh, Clinton on the tarmac last June, changed everything. Oh, yeah, a couple of days before the announcement. Of course, it's going to change everything. And made it to where he felt it was necessary to be up front and candid with the public. Said the capper was, and I'm not picking on the Attorney General Lynch. He said that, who I like very much, and... um, then he said it was the best chance for the system was if he stepped away and told the American public this, what the FBI did, and here's what we found and what we think. That offered us the best chance of the American people believing the system that it was done in a credible way. Well, it didn't work for me, in case you're interested, Mr. Comey. And uh, he won't say whether the FBI is investigating leaks against Trump. Why not? Why not? That is a crime. And then he's mum on any Russian connection. He won't let this go for the Trump people. Any part of Russian intelligence apparatus? I can't say. You agree with me that if Fusion was involved in preparing a dossier against Trump, that would be interfering in our election by the Russians? I don't want to say. So you get no answers there. That means that the NBC, CNN, New York Times, whatever, conspiracy theory of nine months continues. Anyway, it's very frustrating, and it's very corrupt. By the way, the DNC vice chair defended anti-Israeli activists with terrorist ties. Isn't that great today? Michael Blake, New York State Assemblyman, elected DNC vice chair, spoke out in defense of <clears throat> this individual, Sarsork, amid concerning about concern about taxpayer-funded University of New York, the City University of New York, and their decision for her to deliver the commencement speech. Making it real clear, Blake warned on Twitter, if you keep coming after this individual, we're going to respond directly, consistently, with all our heart and soul. Fall back. Oh, okay. I'm going to fall back right now. By the way, I tweeted this out. Everyone's going nuts. There is a Fire Colbert Twitter campaign going on. Hashtag Fire Colbert. Well, I tweeted out, I will not support this. I do not support boycotts. He's a disgusting, despicable human being, but I do not support it. It's just a roundabout way of silencing an opposition political voice. And I am consistent as I have been for years. And I'm not going to change because they're using it against me and every conservative I know, as I predicted for years. All right, hour two. Glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Uh, I just tweeted, did you see the reaction? Our audience gets it. Conservatives get it. There's this Twitter campaign. The headline on Drudge is Colbert is facing a growing backlash and CBS shocks. What does that mean? Go look at the look at the headline. You got to tell me because we use you for street vernacular everything on this program and you're the expert if you what does that mean? 
Am I looking at your Twitter feed right now? No, you're looking at the Drudge Report right now. Yeah, that that would be the one. Yes, ma'am. You got to pull that. What does that mean? Go ahead. Say something. I'm not sure what you're talking about. You're talking about the Colbert story? Yeah, Colbert faces growing backlash. CBS shocks. Hold on. I'm bringing up the story. I'm following no, the No, read the right headline. Now. You don't have to. I know if the vote. Fire Colbert Twitter campaign gains steam after No, Stephen read Colbert's. the headline. The he- on, on Drudge? Yes, the headline is Colbert faces growing backlash. CBS yes. shocks. That I don't have that CBS shocks. Well, I, that, your computer's 4,000 years old. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't have it. All well, I have pull is it up headline. on your phone and get back to us here in a All second. All right, then. All right. Now, uh, we've got a lot going on. The vote is going on now as it relates to this billion, trillion dollars. I Look, I get it. I talked to people within the White House. The president was very serious about we need a government shutdown in September. And between, but, but you got it now? Is that what you're telling? All right, what does it mean? What does that mean? Explain in a way that is not going to get me fired with the FCC. Go ahead. I think that it just means that um, they shocked their audience with that word and that uh, they're going to keep Because he used a street vernacular term for for a male appendage. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I think we can survive an FCC investigation. Good thing I have a, a lawyer here in studio with me. Anyway, so we'll get to all of that later. We'll have a lot on that tonight on Hannity, too, on the Fox News Channel. All right, so James Comey says... Classified emails were forwarded to Anthony Weiner. And then Comey won't say whether or not that's a crime that Anthony Weiner committed. And here's what I'm not under. In other words, okay, we won't acknowledge that Weiner committed a crime. What about Hillary? What about the fact that she sent classified emails to Anthony Weiner? Aren't there laws? That's why you can't have a, a private server and a bathroom mom and pop shop. Comey won't say whether the FBI is investigating the leaks against Trump. Is there anything he's going to do that is Trump-related that he'll meet with? Oh, okay, Loretta Lynch's meeting with Bill Clinton was the capper. I had to go out and defend the investigation. And then we discovered today 1,934 Americans were unmasked by the intelligence community. All right, so we're doing that, and we're watching the vote now go on. It's a preordained answer. I would not support this bill today for obvious reasons that I want the fight now. I can give the president more slack than I can give Congress because at least he's keeping his promises. David Limbaugh's with us. By the way, another New York Times bestseller. It's called The True Jesus, Uncovering the Divinity of, of Christ in the Gospels. David, you may have to talk to Linda because Linda gave up for Lent cursing and it lasted all of 30 seconds. And then she tried again and that lasted 20 seconds and it got worse from there. Gary Byrne is with us, decorated White House Secret Service veteran who witnessed the obscenity filled rages and violent behavior in the Clinton White House. He's the author of Crisis of Character, a White House Secret Service officer discloses his firsthand experience with Hillary, Bill, and how they operate. Uh, Welcome back to the program, Gary. David, let me start with you and ask you to put on your legal mind. and And uh, tell us, isn't it it absolutely the wrong thing to do? In other words, to, to send out... Oh. Top secret information? Isn't that a crime? Of course. I can't imagine. Uh, <clears throat> Comey's been all over the board on this stuff. And, and uh, of course, Hillary is, is now pretending that she's culpable, I mean, for losing the election and then blaming it on other people. Finally, she's taking heat for that. But absolutely, I think Comey is, uh, is vacillating on everything. And if this is not illegal, I don't know what is. I don't. I mean, uh, the secrets ma- mean anything anymore? Do national secrets mean anything? anymore? Do you anymore? remember what a big deal was made over? You wrote great columns at the time about Valerie Plame. 
Yellow Cake Uranium, Joe Wilson, all of the, oh, she might have been revealed as a covert operative. Well, you know, having uh, an email server to circumvent congressional oversight in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet um, and then discovering all of these top secret and even special access program, which is the the highest security clearance information on on a server, I mean... Obviously, crimes are committed. Yeah, say, Sean. Yeah. The one thing you got to realize is, is that not only is it a crime that Mrs. Clinton sent those messages, those classified messages, on her computer to either Uma and then Uma forwarded them to Weiner, or they were sent directly to Weiner. But they also have to find out if Mrs. Clinton actually did it, or did Uma Abedin have access to to her password and server, which is also against the law. There's so many different scenarios going on here, and nobody seems to be paying attention to them. Yeah, and the real the real thing, Gary, is Hillary Clinton, the Clintons have acted in a, an atmosphere of no accountability for so long that they were casual about who they shared secrets with and how she operated her computer. And there's got to be some deterrent from future uh, commission of this kind of behavior. No, I I agree. And, you know, it's funny. When, when Mr. Comey talked about this originally, when the case first came out, and he actually said, you can watch it on YouTube if, if, if your guests want to, where he said, I'm not saying that anybody else in the government can get away with this. This is wrong. You know, he said it right there, but then he went and let her off the hook. Yeah, I mean, everything's political with these people. If it were anybody besides the Clintons, uh, we would have seen criminal action, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's just there's no end to no matter what it is, there's a different set of rules for the Clintons and there's a set of rules for everybody else. It never ends. Well, I mean, and it also goes to the heart of the, you know, whatever happened to the investigation into the the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Foundation, of course, you know, giving up 20 percent of uh, of America's uranium. I mean, everyone on the left is so concerned about Russia, Russia. Russia. Well, she gave up 20 percent of our uranium which is used to make, you know, nuclear bombs. And the Clinton yeah. Foundation got all of this money from all of these people associated with that deal. Millions and millions of dollars, just like nobody called out the Clintons on the issue of taking money from the Saudis. The Saudis kill gays and lesbians. They persecute Christians and Jews, and they treat women horribly. I mean, they abuse with an abusive society, a misogynistic society. In so many different ways, and they get away with that, too. You're right. But, you know, here in America, you let some store put up a sign that, you know, women only, men only, and they're ready to close down the business. But they'll do business, you know, the Clintons will do business with anybody uh, in the world, uh, no matter how they treat people, as long as they get some kind of payoff out of it, it seems like. Yeah, David, I I, I don't know what to do with all of this here. And what do you do when an FBI director has a 10-year term and seems to have been politicized? Yeah, I I don't know, but I I don't know why Trump is going to keep him on or if he is going to keep him on. But nothing matters to the left. Look at what Iran is doing now with the money that Obama released to them. They're building up their their military program with that money, not to mention uh, sponsoring terrorism. And so, no, the left doesn't care about any of this. The left will never hold the Clintons or Obama or anybody else on on the left accountable, on the Democratic Party accountable. So uh, we have to try. Yeah, we do have to try. Um, I agree. 
Well, let me tell people and remind people, Gary, that this is like a pattern of behavior, that the Clintons think they're above the law. Tell people, remind people of what your experience was, because your position for almost, what, eight years or seven years, I believe, if I remember correctly, was right outside the Oval Office, and you saw everybody going in when Bill Clinton was president. Yeah, I, I was 12 years uh, in the Secret Service Uniform Division and three years outside the office. And you're right, it is a pattern of behavior. It's it's basically, you know, there's a reason that people called the Clintons the Arkansas Mafia. And when they came to Washington, they basically brought that roadshow with them and they proved it. From one scandal to the next, the way they, they treated people, you know, they used to use this term at the White House when they first got there. The Secret Service needed to be more user-friendly, which meant do what we say. You know, we had all these rules about who could enter and background checks, and they wanted to waive them because they didn't want anybody to know who they were bringing in. And, you know, that snowballed from one scandal to the next. I mean, there are so many scandals, as you know, Sean, and Mr. Limbaugh, I'm sure you remember them, too, from, from the file gate to Vince Foster's death uh, to, the, you know, it started out as an investigation into a, a bad land deal. Uh, there's everything that Clinton's touched turned into a scandal. I mean, their friend can't even commit suicide without it turning into a damn scandal. Do you th- are you suggesting there might have been something untoward there, or? Well, here's what I here's what I know for sure. Poor Mr. Foster had was, was sick. That was clear, and Hillary Clinton insisted on bringing him to Washington D.C. And then every time there was another scandal that involved her that made her look bad, she berated him, and she berated him in public. She berated him in front of me once and in front of other people. You and you finally, would watch her berate people like real, what dress them down, curse them out. What would you oh, do? Absolutely. Listen, she she stood in front of me and called me an a-hole and called the whole uniform division an a-hole and said well, they should have fired him when they first got there. I mean, it was just unbelievable the way she treats and behaves. And, you know, all these things that I said in the book, Crisis of Character, came out later on when other stuff came out was leaked um, about the um, the State Department guys being interviewed by the FBI. They all repeated the oh, similar and in some cases exactly the same thing that I saw. Yeah. Now, David Limbaugh, you've been you've been out there a lot of years and, you know, something I don't understand the double standard, because if you did this or a Republican did this, what would happen to you? Uh, Well, we've we've already seen that, that they've they've alleged that Trump has done things that he hasn't even done. And the media's talking about it, talked about it uh, since he was elected, uh, let alone inaugurated about the Russian connection when there is no connection, when there's no causal relationship between anything Trump or his aides did and uh, the Russian hacking of the DNC. There is no connection uh, with any interference in the election, and yet that's been on the front page of the mainstream media, and we don't hear anything about these real scandals, only faux scandals uh, for Trump do we hear about nothing to do with Hillary or any of the rest of the Democrats. Yeah. By the way, how many now bestsellers do you have? How many t- how many books have you written? Uh, this is the eighth one and eight, eight bestsellers. Eight, all eight of them, New York Times bestsellers. Yeah, I have some friends helping me. <laughs> you, Rush, and and Mark Levin, and other great people. By the way, everybody needs to get this book because it'll make you want to read the Bible again, right? No, no I, I. What did I say? I actually endorsed the book and I support the book. But you didn't mean it. What, absolutely, <laughs> what, what are you saying to my audience? I'm lying. No, I'm kidding. And I'm saying you have told me you love it, so I'm just I'm no, so I appreciate do. you I telling me. I am not as nearly as good a Christian as you are, but I want to be better. 
Does no, that make sense? I definitely yeah, want to be a better person. None of us are that great about that. That's why we turn to Jesus. But no, I'm kidding about the book. You've been so awesome. Thank all you so all much. All right. We got to take a break. 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. David Limbaugh is with us, author of the brand new book, True Jesus, Uncovering the Divinity of Christ in the Gospels. And Gary Byrne, former Secret Service uh, officer with the Clintons in eight years in, in the Oval Office. All right, as we roll along, Jim Jordan at the bottom of the hour from the Freedom Caucus. Looks like a health care bill vote tomorrow. The uh, I see that this, what, trillion-dollar budget passed in, in Congress. No surprises there. Conservatives voted against it. David Limbaugh, Gary Byrne uh, with us. Looks like you you come around on Trump a lot. You supported him in the election. He wasn't your first choice. Right. How do you feel he's doing? I think he I did a lot better than people give him credit for in the first hundred days. Now, after that, I've been a little concerned because uh, I think he needs to get back to what got him elected, which is to lead with his agenda. And the American people will back him. Don't be afraid of sh- letting the government shut down. And he's not. And I applaud him for that. I think let it go sooner rather than later, is, to use that phrase. Forget the art of the deal. We don't want, I mean, he can use that when he needs to, obviously, but it's not about compromise. He was elected with a bold agenda, and he needs to lead on it and figure out what his coalition is in Congress. I think they're they're triangulating each other, and we've got to decide, like on health care, is it going to be free market or too much government intervention? I just think Trump needs to get a be single-minded about these issues and decide where he wants to go. Then, then the Congress will back him because the American people won't allow it otherwise if he does what he was elected to do, and I'm confident he will. Yeah. What is your take— because I'm sure you have a lot of Secret Service officers and and uh, and friends that are still in the business, Gary. What do they say about Donald Trump to you? They, uh, I do, as a matter of fact, and I've talked to a lot of them recently. They're they're thrilled. They like it. They they like him. Um, he's very nice. His family is incredibly kind. Um, some of the stories I've heard from my coworkers reminds me of the days of George H. W. Bush and George W. Bush when they were there. The the, the, the Trumps are very nice people. They're very kind. They like they like the Secret Service. They you know they they know they're not perfect. Uh, they're humans, and they they treat them very well. Yeah, I mean, and there were uh, George W. Bush did it. George Herbert Walker Bush, the guys liked. Uh, oh, Ronald they were, Reagan, they, they liked. What did yeah. they? And I think from what I hear, except for Hillary, they liked Bill much more than her. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. President Clinton was was always kind, funny. You know, he's somebody. I mean, like I, I said before, you wouldn't trust him to drive your twenty seven year old niece home, but he was a nice guy to be around. <laughs> what a great compliment! <laughs> you wouldn't trust him to drive your yeah. niece home, but uh, no worries about everything else. What were you going to say? Dan? Well, even Claire McCaskill said that. You know, she got in trouble. Yeah, with that's the true. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. is she going to win in Missouri in twenty eighteen, or is she in trouble? You know, Claire's my friend from law school, but uh, I hope some conservative comes along and. You know who might be running? You know the state as well as anybody. Uh, at this point, no. There's so, a lot of good people out there. Okay. David Limbaugh, congrats on the book. Thank you. True Jesus, Uncovering the Divinity of Christ in the Gospels. Gary Byrne, decorated White House Secret Service uh, veteran. Thank you. When we come back, Freedom Caucus, former chairman Jim Jordan on the health care bill and a potential huge win coming tomorrow for the Freedom Caucus. I-25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Big breaking news today. Apparently, the president was able to flip no votes on the health care bill, and now Obamacare repeal and replace is scheduled for tomorrow. One of the people that has been very responsible for getting to this moment is uh, former chairman of the Freedom Caucus and 
now just a plain old congressman that takes <laughs> that takes instructions from Mark Meadows, our friend from from North Carolina, is. Why are you laughing at me? That's not allowed. I love that. Plain old. I like that. Just, uh, that's what we are, just regular old people here trying to serve the good families of the 4th District, Sean. I love it. Yeah, but, love you know, it. that's the service. Like, you know, Roger Stone over the years and I have gotten along, and he's mad that, I, for me, at some reason, said, Hannity tried to be chief of staff. I'm like, no, I didn't. And then I said, and he goes, what do you call me, an egotistical house painter? Because I used to paint houses for a living. And I said, okay, I'm cool with that. That's who I, I was. Lawns, man. And, I, and I said, I, I would paint the president's Oval Office, which is about the only job I'd qualify for in the White House. Yeah, um, that, God bless you, man. That's where you learn some of that, that important skill set and work ethic that, that has served you so hey, well. I, 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 so well. I spent a decade of my life in construction, a decade of my life yeah. in the restaurant business. I'm proud of it. It made me who I am today. But all right, so tell me what's flipped, what's changed on health care why you're supporting the bill now, and how you got here. And, I, I, by the way, I know you and Mark Meadows in particular were up to your yeah. eyeballs in fixing this mess that the leadership dumped on your lap. Yeah, I mean, look, we now, states at least now have the ability to get the waiver, to get out from under those Obamacare regulations that every healthcare policy expert will tell you are driving up premiums. So, if we don't have if we don't have the votes, and unfortunately we don't, to fully repeal it and get rid of all the Obamacare regulations, if we can't do it, at least let's give states the ability to do so. So we, as the Freedom Caucus, said, look, we, we wanted full repeal. That's what we told the voters we're going to do. That's what they sent us here to do. But if we don't have the votes for that, we're willing to take this because at least we know some states will get to that point where they can get out from underneath Obamacare. I don't think and that's why I, we're supporting. Listen, I I appreciate how you got here because I know the process. I was yeah. I was yeah. sta- look. You guys probably hate me because I'm so annoying. I was calling you guys day and night. Oh. But in all honesty, we were not going to get it with liberal Republicans. There are far yeah. too many liberal Republicans out there, and yeah, and, well. and and unfortunately, I'm I'm aghast at how unbelievably out of touch with the base they are and in full appreciation you guys fought at least that now the states have the chance to waver out and and not be a part of this monstrosity but more importantly you're convinced with the new bill meaning not the one that is going to be voted on i assume tomorrow that premiums will go down options will increase and people will have better care yeah, exactly. And that's why we're supporting it. And that's why the vast, vast majority of the Freedom Caucus is supporting the legislation. Again, it's not where we need to finally end up. We've still got more work to do, but this is the best we think we can get out of the committee. And I think you're right. Byron York's column, a friend of yours, a friend of mine, uh, last week where he laid out, unfortunately, we have some members who don't, I think, want to go as far as the voters expected us to go. And frankly, that we told them we would go when we won elections in 2010, 2014, and of course, last November 8th. So, uh, but this is this is a good start, and let's let's get it passed tomorrow. Let's get it to the Senate, and let's keep fighting. I had a long discussion with a friend of mine in the White House yesterday about this short-term spending bill, and the the person's like, "Okay, listen, we've got to get health care done. We've got to get our economic plan as we want it done, meaning the president's plan." Um, we want we will not do anything that's not going to fund the border fully we're not going to not take on sanctuary cities we are not going to allow the the planned parenthood to be funded and that fight is coming and whether congress wants it or not we're doing it what is your answer to that well yeah but sean why did we why did we do a short-term spending bill back well that's that that was my question right back to them that was my first question i mean what's the point 
Exactly. We did this because we said the cavalry is coming. We're going to have the White House. We're going to have the House. We're going to have the Senate. We'll do a four-month spending bill so that we can we can deal with making sure our our border security wall is actually funded and started. Uh, we can we can deal with the, the Planned Parenthood issue. We can deal with the sanctuary city. We we said all that, and we passed a short-term bill for this moment. And then, of course, there's always reasons why you shouldn't do what you know you should do. And frankly, what we told the voters we were going to do. I get those reasons, but. Come on! This was the moment we set it up for. This is this is just unfortunate, and you're going to see a bunch of conservatives vote against this thing. You really are. Uh, I'm not voting for it, and I know a bunch of my colleagues aren't voting for it because I wouldn't. Again, I wouldn't vote for the bill. Said. I wouldn't vote for the bill either. And the problem is with the with the public. And I tried to explain this to a member of the House leadership that asked to talk to me off the record. I said, "You're not guys are not getting something. Is that you know eight years is a long time, and you aren't ready for repeal and replace." I said, you know, you guys get in office and you may have your own timetable for these things, but the public wants action. This is not action. This is another punt. And you guys kicking the can down the road. And that's how it is perceived. Now, the only reason I give the president more slack and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, is he's keeping his promises. I mean, you know, God bless him. He's actually doing what he said he would do. And the argument to me was, oh, no, the president meant what he said, that we need a good government shutdown. And I'm like, finally, somebody has been saying what I've said. Well, why are we so afraid of getting blamed for something when we're standing on principle that Americans want you to stand on? No, you and you've you've articulated that so well, son. You're exactly right. But the, the issue is not we're for a shutdown. The issue is we're for doing what the people sent us here to do. And if Chuck Schumer won't uh, won't let that happen, then and, and, and insist on a shutdown. Bring on the debate. Let's have the debate. I think I can win a debate where I say, you know what? We want $1.4 billion for to start the southern border security fence uh, and, and, and wall. We want that $1.4 billion. And if Chuck Schumer says no to that, and he thinks it's more important to shut down the government and not secure our border and not pay our troops, I'll take that debate. I'll debate Chuck Schumer anywhere, even on some of these liberal campuses where they don't want any conservatives. No. I'd be happy to do it. But let's have that debate. But if you don't force the issue and have the debate, you can never win these things. So let's do that. And that's what the president's indicating, at least. I didn't like the, I didn't like the spin of some people on this yesterday. Now, I know Mick Mulvaney is a friend of yours. Yeah. And he was a former Freedom Caucus member. And I mean, they're out there saying, no, 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 we're not we're not funding Planned Parenthood. We're, we're going to get rid of that through the health care bill, which, OK, I can listen to reason. And there's nuance yeah. to a lot of things in life. But they didn't take on sanctuary cities and they didn't take on a couple of other issues that I felt should have been handled now. Yeah, I mean, come on. When 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 Chuck Schumer saying he likes no 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 no, we call him Crocodile Tears. When he's saying when when Pelosi's saying she likes this bill. When when Senator Graham said that we got our clocks clean, that sort of gives you the overall flavor and overall context of what this is. It's it's in my judgment not where we need to be. There are now. Don't get me wrong. There are some good things in here. More money for our troops, for the men and women who defend and, and protect our country. That's needed. Yeah. But we got to be able to offset that with reductions in spending elsewhere. That's again, that's what the voters elected us to do. Yeah, I mean that is the most important part. And yeah. um, you know, look, I am. Where do you think we're going to be by September? Now, I happen to believe with the president getting rid of regulation, you know, especially in the energy sector, it's so important that we become mm-hmm. energy independent. And there's so many millions of, of jobs that will be created here, and it's the lifeblood of our economy. And we've got more energy than we could ever use in, a, in the 200 plus years. Um, and so that's a big part of it. He's doing that on his own. Yep. Th- then we've got, I really believe in the 15% corporate tax rate. I, I have to suspect that there's going to be pushback to, you know, 17% or something like that, which frustrates me. But I get it. 
it's certainly going to be better than what is it, thirty five percent now. Heck yeah. I, I, the, the, the repatriation of, of trillions of dollars overseas, good mm-hmm. plan, Obamacare, hopefully savings for the average American. That's a good part of the equation. Uh, and, of course, then incentivizing businesses through these tax cuts and these regulations and get rid of burdensome rhetoric regulation will, will stimulate economic right. growth. Yeah, creating an environment conducive to growth. That was not what, what happened in the Obama years. First president since World War II not to have one year of at least 3% or higher annual growth rate. So we got to get to 3%. Uh, that's critical if you're going to deal with this $20 trillion debt. I think the president is right on target with exactly what you described, Sean. Yeah. Regulatory, regulatory uh, uh, code that is, that is reasonable and common sense, uh, uh, a tax code that's conducive to growth, and getting rid of Obamacare as best we can to to allow families to have more money to spend on the kind of things they want. That, that'll all help our economy grow. That's what we're trying to get done between now and the end of the year. What do you make of James Comey's testifying today? Uh, number one, he, he was mum on the so-called Russian connection to this, this yeah. discredited Trump dossier. Now, that's pretty bad because apparently they were willing to pay this guy that was, you know, making absurd claims that at the Ritz-Carlton Moscow right. that Donald Trump had hookers urinating in his bed. Um, he said the idea that he impacted the election makes him nauseous, but then claimed he was fair to both sides. He revealed that Hillary's classified emails were forwarded to Anthony Weiner. Yep. Isn't that yep. a felony? Yeah, I know. Maybe you're the lawmaker. Is that a felony? Because yeah. I've heard it is. Well, look, here's I said this all last fall, last summer, last fall. I thought the FBI, I thought Mr. Comey screwed this thing up from, from the get-go. I mean, you know, go back to the basics. Have you ever seen the subject of the investigation's husband get to meet with the attorney general three days before the subject of the investigation is interviewed by the FBI. Have you ever seen that before in American history? Never. I don't know of any other time. So Mr. Comey tries to tell us they did the best possible, they did a thorough investigation, and the right kind of and there was, you got to be kidding me. So this thing was messed up from the get-go. We all understand that. Anyone with any common sense understands that. And Loretta Lynch saying, yes, she was, she, she was the ultimate decider on whether there was a prosecution or not, but before there's a decision made, says, I'm going to turn it all over to James Comey, I mean, come on. This whole thing was a mess. So, um, look, uh, I, I, I heard uh, parts of his testimony and read parts of his testimony today, uh, but I just don't have a whole lot of confidence in Mr. Comey, what the FBI was, uh, is up to. Is it? We, every FBI director has a 10-year term. Yeah. yeah. Is it? I've been told that it's very difficult to get rid of an FBI director, if you don't, yeah. even if you don't like him. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I understand. Um uh, you know, they, they, there's a reason they have the, the longer term, and it's uh, you know it's, it's designed to be you know kind of dismissed and, and outside of some of the political um, implications and, and pressures that can come. But um, you know, we'll see, we'll see. But all I know is I thought the investigation into Secretary Clinton. By the way, do you know how much your friends and leadership hate me right now? <laughs> do you have any well, idea you know, how hated I am? Times, the folks in the Freedom Caucus still like you, Sean. No, like no, no, no. Do you think I care? I mean, I wouldn't be giving monologues like I did on TV last night if I didn't feel strongly about it. Did you see it? I heard about it, brother. I did. Uh, well, a lot of people heard about it. You'd be surprised. that you, You'll know the names that contacted me pretty pissed off about it. But you know what? Yeah. I identify with the 4th District of Ohio. That's, who I, that's who I care about. Working class people, hardworking folks. Yeah, got a exactly. Great, great, great bunch of people. But, but I, look, look, I also understand it's not easy being the Speaker of the House. I understand that's a tough job. But uh, I appreciate the work you're doing and, and uh, the families that I get to represent. Well, at least uh, if the families in the 4th District of Ohio don't support me, then it's over for me. It's, it's done. Yeah. Because I don't have a lot of friends in D.C. right now. All right. I think you like it, brother. Take care. Thanks. Jim Jordan, thank you. 800 941 Sean, toll-free telephone number. 
Final Hour Roundup is next. You do not want to miss it. And stay tuned for the Final Hour free-for-all on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue, Sean Hannity Show News Roundup information overload at the top of the hour. All right, let's get to our busy telephones. Is it Margaret is in Fort Myers, Florida, beautiful southwest Florida, listening to Fox News Radio 92.5. What's up, Margaret? How are you? Well, I'm very well, Sean. Thank you for taking my call. You know, there are people in your district that would like me to be your future congressman. Would you like me to do that one day? Yes, very much. That would be great. You think people there may support me or no? Absolutely, they would. Yesterday I heard you and Linda talking about her cussing and trying to yeah. quit for Lent. I did. It, I, I don't some, think it lasted five minutes. Well, I have the solution. I went. I asked a priest about it. Really? I'm not sure it's a, it's, I don't know if it's a sin or not, but it's... All right, hey, Linda, put your mic on. She's going to give you good advice. Go ahead. I'm dying to hear. Please tell me. So the priest said, every time you catch yourself cussing, you have to stop and say a little prayer. And... Wait, well, can you make it a long prayer? Because, well, you better keep it short because she'll probably curse in the prayer. Well, no, you wind up praying all the time. You don't have time to cuss anymore. As soon as it happens, just a few times, you're done with the cussing. Uh, You know, I got to be honest with you, Margaret. As much as I love this idea and it makes me feel blessed all over, uh, I would have to quit my job because every time I talk about Congress, I say a curse word. (laughs) So I would just have to leave. I'd have to do something else. Hey, Margaret, I shouldn't reveal this. Do you know how many times we've had to hit our own dumb button on our own producer? Do you know how many times she's cursed on the air and we've saved America from hearing it? I mean, I think that America would appreciate it. Yeah, but with the New York, New Jersey accent, it's just funny. You should let it go. See? See? Somebody in Florida who understands. Okay, so then you want me to get all the fines that are coming my way and open up the door so that liberals can say Hannity ought to be taken off the air, right? No, don't let them get you, Sean. All right, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's going to—well, she's right, you know. You couldn't last five minutes during even Lent. I would—I would rem- do I don't G- even think I lasted a minute, to be honest with you. I, I, I mean— I'm going to be honest and say I don't think I could do All right, now, I want to just—I want to disclaimer, because you're in the room with three other employees. But they what, curse, too. They just don't curse as much as me. Does everyone in that room curse? Jason, Absolutely. do you curse? Seriously? Jason's the worst offender well, beyond oh, me. Oh, you've, you've, you've not heard what I, how bad I can be. Oh, I just see the motions of your hands. I know when you're in a pistol. Well, we all saw the picture on Twitter, so that says it all. No, that was a nice picture. You show the Mohawk. Ethan, you're cursing in that room, too, Mr. Mr. Married Man? Only about Congress. And and Sunshine, you too, wants to handcuff herself to the, the White House fence. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Breaking news. I do curse. Oh, boy. In that room. Okay. Well, now I'm Especially in this room. We work with you. It's very frustrating. Congress, you, forget about it. Well, uh, don't blame me for your sins. I blame you don't for everything. Don't blame me for your breaking your promise. I'm joining the liberal media. I'm going to blame you for everything. Don't blame if it me rains for, in China, I blame you. Don't blame me for <clears throat> your, your, your failing the baby Jesus, yeah, I'm blaming as, you. as I misuse to say. Baby Jesus told me to blame you. Oh, He's even attacking me now. Great. Let's blame. Uh, great. Everyone else is. We'll continue. Oh, our good friend Katie Hopkins, the gobby one, next. Here in front of a gate that will block buses that deport people from this here sanctuary city of San Francisco. Persons involved in violent activity are subject 
right, news roundup and information overload hour. Sean Hannity Show, toll-free, our telephone number, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the uh, program? Well, she considers herself quite gobby and cheeky, and she calls me darling and all sorts of other names. The one and only Katie Hopkins. <laughs> and uh, we're starting a weekly seg- segment with our friend from the Over the Pond. And uh, Katie Hopkins of the Daily Mail UK is with Well, why are you laughing? You do consider I'm yourself gobby. Your English, which I'm going to have to improve. Your British accent needs work. A spot, Sean a spot of tea for nothing. A spot of tea? No. <laughs> Please, yes. sir. Uh, all right. Here's the extent. Offline, I think. Here, here's the extent of it. Please, sir. I want some more from Oliver. It's, it's appalling. It's appalling, Mister Manager. <laughs> but I'll let you get away with it because it's you. All right. Well, let me hear you do your New York accent. Like, Linda, uh, first of all, let me talk about New York. How you doing? <laughs> I definitely can't do a New York. I couldn't. Well, I want to hear you try, one, because if one. I'm trying to do a, a, a okay, British well, accent. I'm going to try and do Linda, so Linda would go, hey, Katie, we're going to talk to Schwan. How would you like to talk to Schwan? <laughs> That's actually not. Look, it's not real, but it's funny. I mean, you, you <laughs> as a Brit, trying to do a, a New York accent is hilarious. How are you doing, by the way? Good I spent to... 10 years there. I spent 10 years living in the East Village. You think you think? Oh, I can still now. hear it. It still lingers, all that East Village yak of yours. It's, uh, the gobbiness, the East Village gobby talk of, you, of, of my friend Katie Hopkins. So you hear these May Day protests all over the world. They're going insane. You saw the riots, Molotov cocktails, bricks and rocks thrown at cops in Portland, Oregon, in, New York, in the States. And uh, what, are your, what is your reaction to these liberal snowflakes? Yeah, my sense, you know, is that liberals these days are the new fascists. You know, we have liberal fascists now, and I see them all the time protesting. And what strikes me is all they know now is how to protest against stuff. They don't stand up for anything. They don't lead the way and persuade people to follow based on some grand plan that they have. They just protest. And, you know, when I was amongst them recently asking them, you know, why are you here? Why are you protesting? Each of them had a different reason, like some are there because climate change matters, some are there because global warming matters, some because black lives matter, and some because it's important to march because my vagina is made of steel. You know, and it's like, well, decide what you're here for and then throw your rocks, but kind of get a little plan together first. So they really are just a bunch of people who've never really seen much excitement, never really deserved any attention. Well, and the only way they know how to get it is to set maybe a car or two on fire or throw some rocks at police. It's funny. Great minds think alike because I've been using the term liberal fascism, media fascism, to describe a lot of people in this country. But you had the same thing happening in, in France over, quote, May Day, Labor Day, and, you know, the same ex- exact thing, Molotov cocktails. You know, how does advancing a political agenda, how does that work when you're throwing rocks and Molotov cocktails at cops and breaking store windows. I, I'm, I'm not sure how that, that gets you no, where you want to go. Absolutely. And I think it's, um, you know, we saw them in France, so they're marching just ahead now of the second round of the French presidential election. There's a lot of disgruntled people on the streets because in many ways, a lot like America, when America couldn't sort of decide when you had the liberals that said, well, we don't want to vote for Trump and we don't want to vote for Clinton either. The French now find themselves in the same position. They don't want to vote for Le Pen because she's 
far right in their language, despite them being off the scale on the left. And they don't want to vote for Macron because actually he's the guy that brought in the very labor rules that they hate. So they're stuck in this knee-knee situation. They're called knee patron, knee party. So they don't know who to vote for either. And so in that sort of sense of not knowing how to belong, the best thing they can do is be kind of anarchists. But it's kind of pathetic anarchy, isn't it? It's all about putting on a balaclava, putting on a black hat, throwing some rocks. And then when anyone comes, when there's a real problem, they run away like little tiny frightened kids. And many of them are. You know, they are just children. They don't have a purpose. And their big excitement is to cause havoc. And what I want to know is who they think is paying for this stuff. Who is paying for the police? Who is paying for the clear-up operation? Because it's the people that are in work, that are paying their taxes, that are also paying to clear up the mess that these idiots who don't have jobs aren't in employment, in fact, can't be bothered to shower. It's us paying to clear up after them. And frankly, I've got three children of my own. I don't need to be clearing up after more idiot children out there on the street. (laughs) Oh, my God. How old are your kids? Oh, my God. I know. People feel sorry for them. Like, people pity my husband. Well, no, no, no. I I do not. Listen, you must be a hoot a minute. I mean, and the fact that because (laughs) of your political views, you know, they actually brought in the equivalent of child services in Great Britain to attack you is unbelievable (laughs) to me. Yeah. I mean, it's unreal. Children. Yeah, they go. um, I've got two girls. They're 12 and 11. And then I've got a son um, who's eight years old. So he's the little one. He's the spoiled one. And then I've got the the middle daughter. I will definitely pick her up from a police station before she's 16. That's guaranteed. And then my sensible 18, uh, my my sensible 12 year old says she's never going to leave home and live with me forever. So I'm explaining to her that that is not an option. That is not on the cards. And she will be leaving my house. Oh, my gosh. You're saying what every parent kind of wants to say but never says, But although we love our children yeah, well. to death and they're a part of our heart and mind oh, and soul. No, no, no. All right. No, so I'm re- no, no. I think we we have to be realistic as parents. You know, I get sick to death of, like, the yummy mummies, the kind of, you know, clean-eating mummies, the mummies that tell you what to do, the mummies that tell you best uh, breast is best. I mean, God, breast is best. That just rhymes. Like, that is not how you live your life. Like, pedo rhymes with speedo, and none of those things are good oh, either. By the way, the men in Great Britain banned from wearing speedos, I hope. They should ban them in every well, country. And I'm a, I'm a total freedom individual. <laughs> I'd prefer, I, I, well, I wouldn't say that. I, 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 any man in a Speedo, I mean, yeah. short of an Olympic swimmer, because they do it, you know, so they can glide through the water and say point point zero zero one second on their time. And they, you know, they actually like grease themselves down and everything so they're slicker. It's really, and they put those, yeah. now they wear those suits. All right, let me ask you this. So I'm reading the Daily Mail today, as I do every day. Did you tell Piers I said hello? Oh, I absolutely told Piers uh, you said hello. And funnily enough, I was just at Cambridge uh, University yesterday doing a talk, and Piers is there on Friday, so I was able to scribble some graffiti over his face on the, uh, on the <laughs> Did you really? Bureau. So I'm pleased with myself, yeah. Oh, you're cracking me up. All right, so in your paper today, all of these wild, crazy ac- accusations against Barack Obama and apparently it's a Pulitzer Prize-winning author in a book that's coming out. What's going on? David uh, I mean, Darrow. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it, there's so much craziness going on at the moment. You see this kind of Obama is back. You know, he feels like he's back. He's back. There's a real presence about Obama. And we have the same thing here with Tony Blair. Tony Blair is also back. So it's almost like these liberals, these kind of Democrats, our Labour, you know, they, because they don't like what's happening, because they don't like the people having a say, because they don't like this kind of popularist politics, whatever label people want to use. I think labels are pathetic. But because they don't like the fact that people are having a voice, these these kind of monsters are coming back from the deep. So we have Blair coming back, and you have Obama and his four hundred thousand pound speech, I think, for Wall Street that you had. Uh, not four four hundred thousand. It's four hundred thousand dollars U.S. dollars. I don't know what the yeah. conversion rate is at the moment. All right, stay with us. Uh, a friend, Katie Hopkins. The ever so gobby one from Great Britain is uh, with us, our darling. She calls me darling a lot. Are you ready to get out of the media spin room? Well, you've come to the right place. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, we'll get to your calls at the bottom of the half hour. Let me go back to this article. Katie Hopkins is with us with the uh, Daily Mail UK and probably one of the funniest people I know. Uh, Now, do any of your friends in Great Britain, first of all, know that you come on this program now? Um, yes, so people are starting to be aware that I'm on your show. So people are, you know, I only ever speak to people that are your supporters. So people that love you, I talk about you a lot, and I make sure they then listen. I'm kind of, you know, on Hannity Overdrive. So wherever you stand, I stand. So I was going to do a hashtag the other day, I stand with Hannity, but I thought it yeah. might be a bit much. But oh, no. people are aware that I come on your show, yes. Well, there hasn't been any news about me in the last number of weeks at all. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm off everybody's radar all over the world. Um, well, here's the funny thing. So you write, the, the Daily Mail puts out this article, how much faith and trust do you put in David J. Garrow, who is the Pulitzer Prize winner, and this unbelievably explosive book on Obama? I don't even want to talk about it because if I even mention it, because it's Barack Obama, I'm going to be accused of, of something horrific, unlike Stephen Colbert. It's so true. I, I mean, when we go to, people can go to the article, they can read everything that's written there. And really, the man, for him to put all this down in print, this biography of Barack Obama laying bare his life, uh, I mean, it does more than that. It lays bare everything the guy has ever done, allegedly. And I think you and I both fear this sort of sense that, it, it, I mean, can this possibly be true? How would someone have the nerve to publish something like this? And how would someone get a way with publishing something like this i have no idea and what his legal bills are going to be i hate to think yeah uh, oh my gosh wow so you think they're going to go after him on this i would think i mean i don't know what option he has the other option he has of course which anybody has with this type of thing is just to ignore it and hope it goes away but i just don't think scandals like this go away and i think the fact that obama is very much back on the scene he says that he wants to get back and help influence and be a voice for liberals you know i think therefore this will probably go on and on but i think it's a brave guy that writes something and the, the level of disclosure 
measure that he's put into this, it's a brave guy that would write something like that. Yeah. Let's talk about what's going on in in Great Britain now and what's going on in in Europe now and France in particular and this globalist versus nationalist. I mean, is Brexit ever going to happen? And does Le Pen win? Le Pen. Yeah. It's a a crazy situation. So here in the UK, we're trying to start talks with uh, the EU to start the negotiations to leave. But they have gone hard and firm. They want to make sure we are seen to be punished for wanting to leave. They did say to start with that we would owe something in the region of 50 billion. Overnight, they said that our divorce bill from Europe would be something in the region of 100 billion. So it doubled kind of over overnight uh, already to a, a figure that we would surely never pay. But I think what Europe are trying to do, the EU are trying to do, is say to all other countries, look, you don't want to be leaving because it's very painful if you try and leave. But of course, for us here in the UK, someone like me, who's a stalwart Brexiteer, I'm a passionate Brexiteer, it just makes me think, well, this is why we're leaving. The fact that Juncker said that Theresa May has no clue about Brussels, well, great. We don't want to have a clue about Brussels. We don't want to be told what to do by a bunch of unelected bureaucrats. And frankly, the more that Theresa May tells Juncker to go and stick it where the French don't see, um, then it suits me perfectly. So as from a Brexiteer's perspective, from the British people, the 52% that voted to leave, this is just reinforcing for all of us why we need to get out. And it's making all of us want to vote for Theresa May, and that can only be a positive thing. I want to ask one serious question before I let you go, because there's not a whole lot that's... I mean, you have biting commentary with your with your humor, but um, you like you love the United States. I love your passion for our country, and, and the I relationship between yeah. Great Britain and the U.S., the U.S. and Israel, Great Britain and Israel is, you know, this should be the bond that saves the free world, in my opinion, again. But I wanted to ask you specifically, you really feel that America is going down the road of making Europe's mistakes as it relates to immigration, unvetted refugees. Tell us. Mm, Absolutely. You know, I love America. So my heart feels kind of American. I'm comfortable in America. I understand Americans better, I think, than British people. When I'm in a lift, an elevator, I feel American because I will speak to people. British people would rather chop off their own hands and feet than speak to anyone in an elevator. But for me... It's so important. It's one of the reasons I love coming on, speaking to you, speaking to Fox, is because I want Americans to see how badly we failed. I want Americans to see that open borders is not the answer. I want Americans to see that liberals and their sympathy actually ends up with people outside our houses of parliament, in our subways, on our buses, blowing people up, stabbing them, slaughtering them. And what I want is for America to look at Europe, see how badly we perform, see how badly we fell, you know, we fell, see how our people are cowed and say that is not going to happen to America. Well, America Katie, I got to let you go. Strong. All right, we'll have yeah. you back next week. Our good friend Katie Hopkins, the gobby one from the Daily Mail UK. Thank you, Katie. We love you. By the way, that you could probably sue me for saying I love you. OK, so get the lawsuits ready. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I would never do anyone, darling. <laughs> oh, quick break. Right back. Your calls are next. 
But I sat there that morning, and I could not see a door labeled no action here. I could see two doors, and they were both actions. One was labeled speak, the other was labeled conceal. Because here's how I thought about it. I'm not trying to talk you into this, but I want you to know my thinking. Having repeatedly told this Congress, we are done, and there's nothing there. There's no case there. There's no case there. To restart in a hugely significant way, potentially finding the emails that would reflect on her intent from the beginning and not speak about it would require an act of concealment, in my view. And so I stared at speak and conceal. Speak would be really bad. There's an election in 11 days. Lordy, that would be really bad. Concealing, in my view, would be catastrophic, not just to the FBI, but well beyond. And honestly, as between really bad and catastrophic, I said to my team, we've got to walk into the world of really bad. I've got to tell Congress that we're restarting this, not in some frivolous way, in a hugely significant way. And the team also told me, we cannot finish this work before the election. And then they worked night after night after night, and they found thousands of new emails. They found classified information on Anthony Weiner. Somehow, her emails are being forwarded to Anthony Weiner, including classified information by her assistant, Huma Abedin. And so they found thousands of new emails, and then called me the Saturday night before the election and said, thanks to the wizardry of our technology, we've only had to personally read 6,000. We think we can finish tomorrow morning, Sunday. And so I met with them. And they said, we found a lot of new stuff. We did not find anything that changes our view of her intent. So we're in the same place we were in July. It hasn't changed our view. And I asked them lots of questions. And I said, okay, if that's where you are, then I also have to tell Congress that we're done. Look, this was terrible. It makes me mildly nauseous to think that we might have had some impact on the election. But honestly, it wouldn't change the decision. Everybody who disagrees with me has to come back to October 28th with me and stare at this and tell me what you would do. Would you speak or would you conceal? And I could be wrong, but we honestly made a decision between those two choices that even in hindsight, and this has been one of the world's most painful experiences, I would make the same decision. I would not conceal that on October 28th from the Congress. Do you agree with me that Anthony Weiner of 2016 should not have access to classified information? Uh, yes, that's a fair statement. Would you agree with me that if that's not illegal, we've got really bad laws? Well, if he had... Well, he got it somehow. It would be illegal if he didn't have appropriate clearance. Well, do you agree with me? He didn't have appropriate clearance. He did. If he did have appropriate clearance, that would even be worse. I don't believe at the time we found that on his laptop that he had any kind of clearance. Yeah, I agree. So for him to get it should be a crime. Somebody should be prosecuted for letting Anthony Weiner have access to classified information. Does that make general sense? It could be a crime. It would depend upon what the people... Well, do you agree with me it should be? <laughs> that anybody that lets Anthony Weiner have classified information probably should be prosecuted. You there's agree? no Anthony Weiner statute, but it is... There's already yeah. a statute. <laughs> well, maybe we need one. There's okay. already a statute. All right, good. There's I already just, a statute. I just wonder how you can get classified information and not be a crime by somebody. I've lived my whole life caring about the credibility and the integrity of the criminal justice process, that the American people believe it to be and that it be, in fact, fair, independent, and honest. And so what I struggled with in the spring of last year was how do we credibly complete the investigation of Hillary Clinton's emails if we conclude there's no case there? The normal way to do it would be to have the Department of Justice announce it. And I struggled as we got closer to the end of it with the, a number of things that had gone on, some of which I can't talk about yet, 
that made me worry that the department leadership could not credibly complete the investigation and decline prosecution without damage to the American people's confidence in the, in the justice system. And then the capper was, and I'm not picking on the, the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, who I like very much, but her meeting with President Clinton on that airplane was the capper for me. And I then said, you know what, the department cannot by itself credibly end this. The best chance we have as a justice system is if I do something I never imagined before, step away from them and tell the American people, look, here's what the FBI did, here's what we found, here's what we think. And that that offered us the best chance of the American people believing in the system that it was done in a credible way. That was a hard call for me to make, to call the Attorney General that morning and say I'm about to do a press conference and I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to say. And I said to her, I hope someday you'll understand why I think I have to do this. But look, I wasn't loving this. I knew this would be disastrous for me personally, but I thought this is the best way to protect these institutions that we care so much about. All right, glad you're with us. All right, so when Lindsey Graham there is saying Anthony Weiner shouldn't have access to classified information, what part of the law that you cannot pass on classified information is James Comey missing here? Because that, too, is a violation of law. I don't understand that. And then, you know, James called Loretta Lynch's meeting with Bill Clinton was the, the capper. What does that mean? Anyway, so much coming out of these hearings today. And if you're just joining us, we're discussing last hour. Comey won't say whether the FBI is investigating leaks against Trump. Uh, Comey, by the way, why won't he say that? He admitted the last time we're investigating uh, this and that. And we're, we're glad to talk about. You know, investigating Trump and his campaign and connections to Russia. How does he get to pick and choose all the time? He was today mum on the Russia connection to dis- discredited Trump dossier. The FBI was going to pay this guy, according to reports that talked about the, the then candidate Trump or I'm sorry, then citizen Trump in Moscow hiring hookers and the hookers urinating in his bed. They were going to pay that guy that came up with that ridiculous dossier. By the way, you can learn all about those details probably on MSNBC. Um, anyway, Comey says the idea that he impacted the election makes him nauseous, but he was fair to both sides. He revealed Hillary Clinton's emails were, in fact, being forwarded to Anthony Weiner. You don't have the right to forward emails to Anthony Weiner of classified information or special access program information. And he refused to even acknowledge that there was a crime committed here, which makes no sense. By the way, Donald Trump reminded Hillary that she's lucky she's not indicted. Well, that could always happen. The statute of limitations haven't gone away. All right. Anyway, I want to get to some calls here. Glad you're uh, with us as we check in. Let's go to the phones and say, all right, let's say, is it Chandra? Sandra is in Baltimore, Maryland, WCBM. What's up, Chandra? How are you? Glad you called. Oh, Sean, um, I'm a longtime listener and first-time caller. And I'm also one of those rare breed of listeners. I'm a liberal. Yeah. No, we actually <laughs> so have a lot of liberals that listen. Some are actually paid to even oh, I'm listen. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. The reason why I call, I, I never call, but the reason why I call is all these harassment allegations against you are a bunch of hooey, and I personally do not believe in any of them. I just want you to know, because I heard you for the last eight years or so, and you had liberal guests on your show, like Tamara Holder, and of course you had Alan Combs show with you. I do not believe any of that. I think that people are just throwing it up in the air to see if it sticks somewhere. And I, I just wanted to make sure that you know that people like me do believe in you, even though I disagree with you on policy issues. 
listen, I, I appreciate it more than you know. I, I appreciate, You know what? I appreciate your fundamental fairness. But I'll be honest, you know, when you have somebody that lies about you for well over a decade, 12, 14 years, whatever it is, and, and they're sneaking back two days after Bill O'Reilly leaves the Fox News channel, is fired from Fox, and then all of a sudden, you know, a person that has slandered me in the past goes out there with, uh, right. by the way, proven lies in the past, and then makes, oh, all of a sudden, 2003, Sean Hannity invited me to a hotel room, and we're pretty convinced I didn't have a hotel room because I flew out that night, which is, you know, a <laughs> little sidebar. You know, it's pretty obvious, but he, but here's my problem with all of this, is that, you know, does the media that ran with the cheap headline, you know, that wanted so desperately, so badly to run this headline, one source, no other sources, number one. Number two, they do they not have a responsibility in terms of defamation and smearing and slander and tortious interference, meaning how I can make a living in my work, you know, to at least do a rudimentary, a fundamental Google search to discover, uh-oh, history here. Oh, right. person A claims this. Person A was was totally debunked by the organization that she says that I did terrible things to when, in fact, you know, I've spent well over a million dollars in donations and expenses for this organization. You know, it's oh, kind I know of, about her allegations from the past. You know, well, that's the point. I mean, how does the media run a cheap yeah. plat- a cheat headline and not even do a Google search? That's all they needed well, to do. Because, that's because the majority of the people don't pay attention. They just read the headlines, and that's the end of that story, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, but, but what? oh, well, but I want you best of luck. You know, I want you to know that even though I do not agree with you on policy issues many times, I still listen to you. I think you are a good man. So... Keep up the good well, I appreciate it. You know, and, and listen, you know what? I bet you don't like that Ann Coulter can't speak on a college campus, do you? Uh, I, I don't I don't like it at all. She, oh. should, she should be able to speak. Where, where, where are your fellow liberals? Where are the where are your fellow liberals standing up for somebody they don't agree with to have the right to speak without being shut down the way she was? Where, you know, where, where are your fellow liberals not? Like for example, you know one of the uh, one of the trending issues on Twitter right now is fire Colbert. It's on fire. By the way, yeah, I hate Stephen Colbert as about as much as I hate Bill Maher. I don't like either one of them. But guess what? I tweeted out earlier today. I will not be a part of that fire Colbert. No, you don't have to be. No, because why? Why do I, why do I care? I have an option. You know what? If I want to watch comedy at eleven thirty-five. At night, weeknights, well, I've got Jimmy Kimmel, and I've got, as an option, I love when he does his man on the street, or what does he call it, uh, lie witness news, or right. or somebody who's an incredible natural talent, uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon. I mean, Jimmy Fallon can sing. I think one of the funniest right. things he ever did was with Bruce Springsteen, and I can't believe how well this guy can sing. And, and he just yeah, has he amazing talent. Well. So I don't have to watch Stephen Colbert. But why do I want to shut Stephen Colbert down as rude and as crude and as despicable and as a horrible, seemingly horrible human being that, you know, is able to resurrect a dying dead career on a president that he's just vicious to? I don't need to watch that. It's not funny, number one. He's got 50 writers, number two. And number three, I don't have to watch him. 
Nobody has to listen or watch. By the way, I really wish I could make everybody listen three hours a day and watch one hour a night. But I really can't, can I? You have to choose to be here with me every day, and I got to do a good show to deserve your your listenership and viewership. So let let Steve Colbert say whatever he wants, and we have been consistent. How many years have we been saying the exact same thing, Linda? It's not because you know there's such heat now on, on me and conservatives to shut me down. It's not it has nothing to do with the current moment. How many years do you roll your eyes at me every time I say that Bill Maher is good for America? You, you hate it. It's, an, it's annoying, but fair. It's Why do I say he's good for America? Because if he can say anything he wants, now let's leave conservatives alone. Yeah, everybody has a right to the first and fifth, right? Exactly. All right, back to our phones. As we say, Patricia Woodland, Texas. What's up, Patricia? How are you? Hi, Shalonity. Thanks Thanks for having me on. Um, I um, was just wanted to say I was so thrilled when Trump was elected, and I just felt so... Uh, at ease, and then he started. You know, he started doing things, rolling up his sleeves, getting to work, and and then uh, they just started throwing roadblocks up in front of him, and he wasn't. You know, and it's just frustrating me, and I just don't see how we're ever going to get this country together if if and it seems like Congress is doing things. It seems more than just a coincidence, and um, it seems like they're trying to stop him on. Democrats and Republicans. So it's just frustrating There's, me. And I. Oh, I think I think there are Republicans that have no intention of helping Donald Trump and they do it to their own peril, because that'll be mm-hmm. if they don't get certain things done. For example, the border wall, they don't get repealing and replacing done. They don't get they don't get an economic plan that's going to work. Well, they might as well. They, they will risk. And I think the canary in the coal mine is Georgia six, the Georgia six district. You know, this liberal they got. In Newt Gingrich's old district, 48.2% of the vote. That was a, that's the canary in the coal mine. Three hours a day of red, white, and blue. America proud. This is the Sean Hannity Show. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Ronald Reagan cut taxes, cut government spending, and gave us peace through strength. Now you can celebrate this great president with a limited run, half-ounce silver coin from the top-rated precious metals company, Gold Co. All qualified listeners who visit HannityGold.com this week will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So go to HannityGold.com and get yours free while supplies last. That's HannityGold.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.